Oh, thank you for doing that. Appreciate it. Hopefully you can get to know some folks that you don't already know. That's a good thing. So we're in this series called Vagabond, because part of us being in here is a reminder that we're a little misplaced right now, we're displaced. And you know, the Bible uh, reminds us in the New Testament, but we're, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. We're just passing through. All of us are ultimately have a home in heaven. You were created for eternity. If you trust Jesus and you know, have a relationship with God through Jesus, then that you know that your home, you were made for eternity and your home is in heaven. So we've been looking at 1 John 2 who reminds us how to keep first things first. And so there's been a few tests. One is he's asking, of course, we know Jesus' most simple and strongest commandment that we are to follow when they asked him, hey, what's the most important thing? What's the most important law? And he said, love, the God, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. But then there's these tests in 1 John 2 about, and there's asking these questions like, are you keeping... Jesus' commandments. Do what he says to do. Keep your identity in a world that, for us, um, that's kind of always warring against God. So you want to keep your identity as a follower of Jesus. So keep his commandments. And then uh, last week, we, we really talked about the question, do you love? That's another kind of watermark, another encouragement to us. And then also, are you growing because of God's work in you? I underline the word because. Are you growing because of God's work in you? And today I want to just talk about really one thing, and that is don't fall in love with this world. 1 John 2, verse 15. John writes to, to the church... And so it is applied for us as well. 1 John 2.15, if you don't have a Bible, then I'd encourage you to pick up that Bible maybe near you, and it's page 1021 in that Bible, in our pew Bibles. And it reads like this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So John very clearly says something very strong right off the top. Do not love the world. And so what comes after the first part of verse 15 when he says do not love the world or the things in the world are three arguments or uh, three incentives 
for why we should not love the world. Three arguments for not loving the world. And there, John kind of makes it clear. And the first thing he says is, if you love the world, you don't love God. If you love the world, you don't love God. Now, in America, and by the way, I thought about this all week. I, have, I couldn't wait to preach this sermon this week. At the same time, I was dreading this sermon this week. Because this kind of language does not go over where well in America. Because I think in America, and many times in ministry I find this, that we kind of draw our lines in the wrong places. But there's a lot of times where I know that there is such a thing as both and thinking. There is. There's a lot of times when, when people are kind of narrow-minded and they're like, you know, I'm like, hey man, uh, you know, you, uh, like for example, a lot of pluralism in our country. In our country, and that's what the, some of the diversity makes us great. Like you can go places and get a Korean taco, stuff like that, things like that, you know. I mean, you know, you, there's, the diversity is great. But, and different people, you know, I, and even in this, in, in this body of believers, we have a lot of diversity here with people, what they like, what they don't like and everything. It's like, you know, and we have a lot of both and thinking. But there's also something that we need to remind it of, and that's either or thinking. Because I've shared this with you before, all of my kids, I've told them when they were really young, don't cross the street when a car's coming because it's either the car or you. It can't be both. And there is a time. And John makes this clear, and he's really strong language. Some of you might even find it offensive. But the first incentive that John gives is that if anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. In other words, the reason you shouldn't love the world is that you can't love the world and God at the same time. Love, listen, Love for the world, like you just get so in love with this world and all that you can see and touch and feel. Love for the world pushes out the love for God. And the love for God pushes out the love for the world. I just would give you one small example in Matthew 6, verse 24, when Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus was clear. And he said, you can't love those two things at one time. Then he goes on and he shows us the second argument about loving the world. And by the way, I'm not here to be like Danny Downer today, but these are truths I'm learning the older I get. And that is, if you love the world, you will perish with it. After verse 15, in verse 16 comes the support for this argument. The reason love for the world pushes out 
the love for God is that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Leave out those three phrases, for example, just what I just said, the, the, the eyes and the pride of life and the flesh. And, and look at verse 16 and read it. The reason the world, the reason the love for the world excludes love for God is that all that is in the world is not of God. In other words, it's just empty talk to say that you love God if you love what is not of God. Verse 17, he says, and the world is passing away and the lust of it. Nobody buys stock in a company that is sure to go bankrupt. Nobody does that. Nobody sets up house on a sinking ship. No reasonable person would lay up treasures where moth and rust and everything can destroy it. Thieves break in, steal it. I had, when I was growing up, I'll give you a little West Virginia wisdom here. I heard a guy say one time, don't love something that can't love you back. There's a lot of wisdom in that. I know we kind of throw out around the world love. I mean, I don't want to be the word police here today, all right? I'm not trying to do that. I mean, if you say, oh, I love those hamburgers over there, or I love whatever. I know we're saying, hey, I really like that. I, I, you're giving your opinion. I don't want to be the word police. But do you put your trust in these things? Don't love something that can't love you back. As one person reminded me many years ago, it's all going to burn. All of this, everything. One of the things I'm realizing as I get older, as I, meet, as I, as I uh, either do it personally with my family or whether it is with other folks, you realize as you get older and older and older, you accumulate a lot of things. And then at the end of life, and as a recent widow looked at me who was very accomplished and actually had a lot of great stuff, she just looked at me and said, this is all worth nothing now. It just doesn't mean anything to me because it's all passing away. You realize we, how much of our lives we spend on our stuff and the three things that the world says is important, and he really nails it here. John is talking to us. Before you blow this off as nothingness, he said it is the lust of the flesh. And these are our desires and passions that motivate us. And I just want to kind of put pleasure there. Pleasure is a primary value in this world. We're all looking for pleasure. Do you love pleasure? Are you seeking pleasure? Folks, so many times we think something seems like a great thing. It's pleasurable. It'll have a good time. And it helps us to feel better. And those very things that we're always after that bring us pleasure can also be great. Um, it can enslave us. I mean, I know that some of you think that the predictable thing with a pastor would be, ain't it awful? But I'm going to shoot straight with you. I see so many people around in this country who struggle, who think it's fun, and I'm not a tea, I, I am a teetotaler, but drinking, 
And they, uh, hey man, it's the weekend, you know, that makes me feel better. I relax, I unwind and everything. The very thing that brings you pleasure can also be the thing that enslaves you. Do you know how one out of every six Americans are alcoholics? And I know we have freedom in Christ. I'm not here to honk anybody off. But folks, I'm also, I've been a youth pastor for all these years, and I am a pastor, and I am looking at our country and our ability to cope and to have wisdom and to parent and to show temperance. In other words, some self-control. And I think we have to listen to what John is trying to encourage the church in. And that is that we have to, we should not be driven by this pleasure. In other words, I will not allow my stomach or anything else. I will not bow down to anything else. I will not love something more than God. I will not love getting a little buzz more than I love God. I will not bow to it. Pleasure. Then he says the lust of the eyes or covetousness. That's that the possession. Like I gotta have it. Hey man, in America, you, we literally built whole networks for our kids that they aren't even five years old yet. And they have these things called commercials in them to get them all excited. They're called advertising to get us to want, to want, to want. You are bombarded by it. You are going to leave here and drive in a car and there are going to be billboards. There's going to be radio commercials to make you covet what you don't have. And it will never be enough. The lust of the eyes. I've got to have more. I've got to have better. And I want to say, even as somebody who's 54 years old, that something starts when you're young. And if you fall into that, you're always driven for more and more and more. And what John is saying at the end, at the end of that little road right there that you're going down, it's empty because it's all going to burn. It's all going to perish. I'm trying to be a person who's understanding today with you because I have these same things. But I'm trying to give us a sober wake up. It's all going to burn. It's all going to perish. And if you love that at one point at the end of your life, you will realize how meaningless all of this was. It was a waste. Not only just seeking after pleasure rather than seeking after God. Seeking to numb out instead of proactively seeking after God and his glory. And then acquiring possessions. Because in America as well, the third thing is the pride of life. Self-exaltation. I mean, guys, if we don't know anything about this, I mean, this is us in the context of this world. I mean, I just look at one thing, and that is social media. Social media is, is a place where the pride of life is its most tempting. Because we all want to put on a good face. We all want to show what we have and what we're doing. And, and it's self-exaltation. Self it's the power. Listen, there's three things within this, this prestige that we're all after. We're all after this prestige. There's three things in it. We're all after one of three things. Power, 
or position or popularity. One of those three things. And middle schoolers, this is what for you is a challenge in that you wanna be a person who might wanna be popular or as you get older, it's like position. And then as you get position, you kinda want power. And what John is saying is that this is all overrated. This constant us wanting more and looking to everything else except God is empty. It's so empty. It's all overrated. You know what overrated? Y'all know that chant. Overrated. We know that, don't you? I mean, you know that, you know? All-state basketball player comes to our place and he only scores nine points in the first half and we've held him and we're ahead. And what's the chant in the second half? Overrated. Yeah, let me just say, what John is trying to say here is that the devil and the ways of this world are overrated. Can we, can we do that? Can we do that? Can make me feel better here a little bit? Overrated. 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 The devil and the ways of this world are way overrated. They are. I, I'm telling you. Even as I think about my life, and what has brought me healing and redemption and life, I'm talking about life, life, the good things in life, come from the eternal God. The things of this world, they pass away. The pleasures, even the prestige, and all that the trappings of this world, all the possessions, all these things, they're overrated. But here's what John says, that loving God leads to eternal life. John says right there, and he says it at the end where he talks about how God gives us that eternal life. That's in verse 17. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. John says in 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. If you love God, you will love what he wills. It is empty talk to say that I love, that say I love God, but I don't love what God loves. That's empty talk. To say, I love God, but I don't love the stuff that God loves. That's empty talk. It's also empty to say, I mean, think about it. Let's say, I say, I love Sherry, my wife. I love Sherry. I love my wife so much. But then I go, but don't listen to a word she says. <laughs> Think about that. Think about saying you love someone. And then I say, man, I would not. I don't listen to anything they say. I wouldn't do what they tell me to do. I wouldn't do anything about that. Think about it. When we say, I love God, but I'm not going to listen to him, John is saying here in verse 7, if you love the world, you will perish with the world. But if you don't love the world, but love God, you will do his will and live for him forever. 
right here at the end of this, right here, folks. I'm going to invite you to drop your rebellion with God. What John says is that fear and death is not the end of the story for us. And I'm going to encourage you today. The path to victory that overcomes the world and leads to eternal life is the one of faith towards God and the love for God. Saving faith is a part of love for God and love for God is a part of saving faith, guys. There are not two ways to heaven. There is one narrow way. The way of faith which loves God and the way love which trusts God. And I wanna challenge you today to do that. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So eternal life on, is based and depends on believing in Jesus. And I want to challenge you today that the world is passing away, but loving God leads to eternal life. I said it even a couple of weeks ago, it's better to be born twice and die once than to be born once and die twice. Don't fear death. Our home is in heaven. That's one of the things that John is trying to show us here. And I know that for all of us, death is a part of living. All of us, none of us, as Bob Yalberg says, are getting out of this alive. So what Jesus says is store up your treasure in heaven. Don't put your trust, as John writes, in possessions and prestige and all this pleasure. And I wanna invite you, some of you today, to put death behind you. Put death behind you. When I say that, it's better to be born twice Jesus said, if you come to me, you must be born again. It's better to be born twice and know the Lord and only die once. And when you do that, you don't have to fear death anymore. Some of you here are afraid and you're locked up in your life. I know so many people who say that they have faith and they are paralyzed with fear. I'm experiencing that. Even I've experienced that in my own family. And I want to be free of that fear. And so many times I think part of our coping problem in America is we have not really known true freedom that's known in Jesus. And people are afraid. And I'm here to tell you that there is freedom in Christ. I would encourage you and my son reminded me this of something he heard at a conference that we went together. He says, your freedom is on the other side of your fears. Put death behind you. I want to invite you to put death behind you today. There are some of you that when you think about your life, you realize that you're trusting in other things, but you know that eternal life is found in Jesus. And you know enough and I want you to act on that today. I want to invite you, because you may know, here knowing this, that this world is passing away. It's perishing. 
But God gives us eternal life through Jesus. If you've never given your life to Christ today, this is what, ha- this is what it is to know Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am undone. I have literally trusted in everything else and now knowing I'm a sinner, if I come before the Lord and I say, Lord, I come to you and, and I have faith in Jesus, because of that faith in Jesus, like knowing that Christ lived and died and rose again, that he overcome death and the grave, that he created you, every person here was created for eternal life. Do you know something? Your eternity has already begun and I wanna challenge you today to put death behind you. You know, there's gonna come a day when I die and they may say, Johnny McAllister is dead and I want you to know something. Don't believe a word of that. I will be more alive then than I am now because of the life, the eternal life that God promises through Jesus. And I'm not afraid of dying. Look at me straight in the eye. I'm not kidding. I look you straight in the eye. I am not afraid. I'm not afraid because I know that Jesus came and died and lived for me. I have put death behind me. I'm not afraid of death. There's a lot, that, a lot of things I have to kind of work through. I'm a, I'm a dad of four kids. I have to kind of work through a lot of stuff. I'm married. I have family and all those things. God, I'm undone. God's kind of working in me. But I want you to know that my eternity is secure. Not because of me, Uh uh-uh. It's not because of me, I'm not a good person. It's because of what Jesus is doing in me. The same thing, and some of you are like, well, you're a preacher, you would say that. That's what you, no, this is the good news of the gospel, is that this is for you. I wanna invite you to put death behind you so that you would have no fear, that you would know God. And if you have never given your life to Christ, I'm gonna be bold enough today to ask you to stand right where you are and I would like to pray with you to invite Jesus into your life and then we have some tiles I would like for you to sign. In fact, the people that sign these tiles today, we're gonna put them up back over on a board over there, but the people that sign these today, I want you to put on here, your, the date today, Put maybe put something like, I put death behind me and then sign your name to it. If you've never done that and you've put this off and you want today to be your day, to be sure, I wanna invite you to stand. I know that this this is a bold ask. I'm gonna ask you to do that right now, to stand like I'm standing. If you've never done that and you wanna do that today, you've never crossed over, you've never asked Jesus, I would like to invite you to do that right now. Anyone here who's never done that, You want to do it today. You want to cross over from death to life. Anybody here, would you stand with me? There's nobody. I'm going to ask the team to come up. I'm going to ask everybody. We're going to sing our benediction today. And I want us to be reminded as believers in Jesus this week. So John has been talking to us about loving God and loving others. He's been talking to us about how we're supposed to Uh, Keep growing, and for us, 
it's a reminder, folks, for us to not go back to what has enslaved us, but to be free. So as we sing this song, I want this to be our declaration of how God has literally taken care of our future and we have eternity with him. Father, I thank you this morning for the good news of the gospel, that you have given us eternal life. Thank you, Father, for your glory, I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in every person here. That, Lord, we would not be addicted to this world, but that, Lord, we would love you most, more than anything else. I pray, Father, you would help us today. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would act on the Word of God and trust you more than anything else in the whole world. Because this is all going to pass away, Lord. Help us because by ourselves we can't do it, but with you we can. I pray you would be glorified even this week in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand and let's sing this as our benediction.